have a few scripture readings this morning. First is from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Second reading comes from uh, the book of James, chapter 5. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs for praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And our third reading comes from Romans chapter 8. Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, comfort us in our grief and help us to boldly trust in you. Amen. You know, before I had ever uh, met Anna, I had already heard of her. It was the very first time I had ever visited Grandview. It was before I had even graduated from seminary, and I was here to interview and to lead worship as this congregation discerned whether they were going to call me as their pastor. And it was a Saturday afternoon, and since I was expected to lead worship the following morning, and I knew that every congregation does things a little differently, I had asked if there was anything in particular I should know about the way things were done here. Well, we don't like to stand much during worship, I was told. Okay, no problem. And there's always a spot during the prayers when Gary lets us pray our own prayers out loud. Okay, sure, I've done that before. Oh, and Anna is always the first one to pray during that time. In fact, if Anna were ever not here, I'm pretty sure no one would say anything at all. Now, that was a bit unusual. Well, needless to say, when Sunday morning came around, I was very curious to meet this Anna, who was such a leader in prayer that the whole congregation would go silent in her absence. So when we came to that point in the service and I asked, for what else do the people of God pray, I kept one eye open to see uh, what would happen. And sure enough, Anna, sitting up here in her usual spot near the front, was the first to pray, and everyone else in the congregation followed afterward. And that remained the case nearly every Sunday until she could no longer safely remain in her home 
and Donna brought her down to California to care for her for the last year or so of her life. But even then, though a thousand miles separated her from us, she still made sure at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings to sit down and pray when she knew that we were at worship. Now, Anna had many vocations throughout her life, as a daughter and a sister, as a nurse, as a wife and a mother. But the vocation that I most knew her to have was that of prayer. Though she was physically frail, which, by the way, I would never have said to her face, (laughs) she was never hesitant to speak, and she put that strength to good use by coming before God in prayer. Prayer is the subject of all three of our scripture readings this morning, in one way or another. That first one, Psalm 23, it starts off as a poem about how God provides, but then right in the middle it turns into a prayer. You are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table. You anoint my head. That second reading from James chapter 5, it gives us some wonderful promises about the power of prayer. The prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up. Anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. And then that last line, the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. I mean, listen to that. Listen to what prayer accomplishes. Saving the sick, raising the dead, the forgiveness of sins. In other words, life and salvation. All this is bound up with the prayer of faith, the prayer of the righteous. It's almost too much to believe that such a small thing as prayer could resound so loudly in the ear of our God. And yet here God promises exactly that. It doesn't always feel that way, does it? I mean, it doesn't always feel like our prayers are powerful and effective. Sometimes it feels like our prayers are just wasted words echoing into the void, too small in the face of our overwhelming need. Or perhaps it's not that our prayers are too small, but rather that they just aren't there at all. That try as we might, we can't muster the words or the will to bring our need before God. I mean, prayer may be effective, but what about when we can't pray in the first place? Well, our third reading from Romans 8, brings us yet another promise. And this one, I believe, is the most surprising of all. Paul writes, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. Indeed, the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let that sink in for a moment. God knows that we are too weak to pray as we should, and in fact, that we are often too weak to pray at all, and so God, the Holy Spirit, prays on our behalf. I mean, not only does God command us to pray, not only does God graciously promise to hear us when we do, but God takes matters into his own hands and prays for us in our weakness. Again, it's almost too wonderful to believe. There is, however, just one more thing. And it has to do with just who these promises are for. 
And it all comes down to two words. Maybe you notice them. One in James, one in Romans. That is righteous and saints. So who are these promises for? Well, James makes it clear that not just anyone's prayers are effective, but the prayers of the righteous. Paul in Romans doesn't say that the Spirit intercedes for everyone, but rather that the Spirit intercedes for the saints. Now, some of us may consider ourselves righteous. Perhaps some of us would even claim the title of saint. But how can we know for sure? Is it just the Anna Hunters of the world whose prayers resound loudly in God's ears? Or does God somehow make space for the rest of us? I mean, I know my own sin better than anyone. And my guess is that you do too, at least if you're honest with yourself. So where does this leave us sinners. Well, I can tell you this, if you look inside yourself to find righteousness or sainthood, you will be disappointed. In fact, Paul makes it clear earlier in his letter uh, uh, to the Romans, there is no one who is righteous. All are under the power of sin, he writes. And that is why God came to us in Jesus Christ, so that on the cross he could take all our sin, all our unrighteousness, and put it to death in his own body. And now, in the place of our sin, he gives us his righteousness. Not a righteousness that comes from what we do, from our deeds, but rather a righteousness that is given as a free gift, as a promise in which we can trust, as a firm rock on which we can stand, from which we can speak to our Father in heaven, not because we've earned the right to be heard, but because God has clothed us in the righteousness of Christ. This promise is given to you in baptism. It's given to you in communion. It's given to you in the words of Scripture. And if that were not enough, God gives it to you right now through my own words today. That in the name of Jesus Christ and by his authority, I forgive you all your sin. You, each of you, are righteous and saints of God, not because of who you are, but because of who God has just declared you to be. And as God's righteous saints, these sweet promises of Scripture belong to you, that your prayers are powerful and effective, that your Father in heaven hears you in your grief, and that even when words fail you, God prays on your behalf. This promise is for you, just as it is for David, just as it is for Paul, just as it is for James, just as it is for Anna. And God never gives a promise that God does not keep. Amen.